All of us at D-Block Talk have been grappling with current events across the United States. The words of New Bedford Public Schools Superintendent Thomas Anderson resonated clearly with us. While we all work to understand the root cause, it is essential to challenge inequitable, racist, and violent behavior. That's how we will spark and sustain the needed change in our society. Our individual perspectives and collective voices are critical. Although we are deeply saddened and angered by these situations, we are encouraged by the outpouring of positive expression from so many to better our country. Our purpose is to unite, stand together, and support one another. Through our collective action, we can be the hope and the change we need. This is our great teachable moment. Our work to shape the minds of every child is part of the solution to address the inequities and the pain disproportionately impacting certain individuals in the communities across our country. Hi everybody, I'm Mrs. Kaji Pacheco and welcome to D-Block Talk, the only podcast featuring your New Bedford High School performing arts teachers. I'm here with Mr. Mason, Mr. Pacheco, Mr. Landel. Ms. Donnelly, and Mrs. Dandenau. This is episode six. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to check out our previous episodes on Spotify, podbean.com, and Apple Podcasts. I want to know, how is everybody doing today? Hey guys, it's Mr. Mason. Um, I know a couple weeks ago I talked about scrambled eggs. I just want to share that I successfully fried two eggs and the yolk was no joke. Oh, you're a poet, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Langel here. I'm doing okay. I didn't know if I told you guys, but I whacked myself in the eye with a branch, and um, now I've got a red eye. Uh, one <laughs> eye is red. Uh, I keep forgetting about it, so when I, if people see me with my mask on, I look kind of terrifying, but the the, uh, the old WebMD says I'm dying, so this might be my last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Langel. Oh, my God. Dan Deneau here. I'm doing all right. Just uh, sitting at home, catching up on some Netflix and sketching some dogs. Love it. It sounds sketchy. It does sound sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) I am doing much better than I was last week because the weather has cooled off and it's quite lovely in the house right now. I'm doing really good. I am kind of in a baking mindset these days. I made some carrot cake a couple days ago and i'm getting ready to make a pie i have to imagine that carrot cake is langel's favorite kind of cake (laughs) i do love me a moist carrot cake (laughs) so many people are going to shut off this podcast because he just said moist oh he said it again (laughs) so pachico here things are going pretty well i'm really enjoying um you know the weather uh, being able to bring Vince outside um, and you know do a lot of things, so it's been good. It's been it's been great. So our little bit of department news today. Last week we had a really exciting Friday. Um, all of the teachers got together in a socially distant, safe way in our cars uh, and drove all around the city of New Bedford from way down in the south end by the fort to all the way up in the middle of a cushionet, and we visited the homes of all of our lovely seniors, class of 2020, to give them their end-of-the-year awards and pins and certificates and scholarships. 
Uh, so we'll be having um, some special announcements on social media once we get all of the pictures and videos compiled. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. It was a really, really fun day. It was so nice to see all the seniors, but also so nice to see all of you guys. Like, it was really fun to, yeah. you know, joke around and be like, hey, Mr. Mason, Ms. Dan. Like, it was really cool. Mr. Langell only kind of socially distances. That's the thing you got to joke for. <laughs> well, we were all very safe. We had hand sanitizer and disinfectant spray, and we all wore our masks. So right. we And Mrs. Souza was there, too, so that was really cool have our administrator uh, there to support us and our and our seniors. And it was really cool because so many of them had picked up their caps and gowns. So when we pulled up, some of them were wearing their, their Whaler Ride graduation caps and gowns. And it was really, really nice. I really liked it. Um, one other announcement that we have, the Drama Club is going to be performing a virtual play called 10 Ways to Survive Quarantine by Downsolitis. Uh, and that will be happening next Friday, June 12th. So be on the lookout for that. I'll have a little more information about how to log on and watch that in the comfort of your own home uh, on next week's podcast. Very cool. So today I am interested. Um, I want to hear about any experience that you guys have in your discipline that isn't related to NBHS or teaching. Like what cool stuff have you done? Okay. Um, that's a tricky question because I always have like too many stories, I think. Um I started with like, just, just talk about live sound, right? I started live sound when I was in high school, but I had no training. My band teacher just gave us like the mixer, the speakers, the cables, and she said, and the microphones. And she said, I need this set up for the concert tonight. And it was me and my friend, Michael. And we just kind of figured it out, plugged things in, tried things out. There was a lot of feedback at first. Um, and it became something that I really enjoy doing. And Michael actually became a audio engineer. He works in Boston for, uh, I think, Soundtrack Boston. And I got into like music tech and then into jazz through that. Um, and so like later on, I would, I ran a couple different shows. And most recently last summer, there was a, a big like 12 piece Latin band that played at Keith for one of the academies. And I just, I, they, I was in charge of the sound production. I showed up at Keith with the equipment, set it all up, tested it all out, ran the show. Um, and it was really cool. As far as jazz goes, um, I didn't really start playing jazz gigs until college. My first gig on upright bass was with my professor, Andy, who I mentioned last week. He listened to the podcast, by the way, and he said, please leave the turtles alone, Mrs. Dandino. Uh, <laughs> so he basically, we took uh, we took me and the bass and we went across campus to this bi very big event for uh, the new business college that was opening up. And like the provost was there, all of the college bigwigs were there. And it was the first time I played upright in public. And he called this tune. He goes, oh, we're going to play Softly as in the Morning Sunrise. And I said, I have never heard of that song before. And I said, do you have music? And he goes, no, it's in C minor. You'll figure it out. And then we just kind of started playing. So that was my first, like, wow, jazz moment. And I think those are two stories that really um, kind of almost tangentially relate directly to my teaching. One cool thing, too, is that when I was in high school and college, I used to play in pits in a local theater on Cape Cod. And, um, so like we did a bunch of different shows. We've, we played Beauty and the Beast for an entire summer, like 30 shows. Um, so that was interesting. And I still play in pits today, which is really fun. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Woo. MBHS. All right. One cool thing that happened was, um, there was a really old building and it was in Orleans and, um, all the shows are obviously at dusk. Right. So one night we're in the big Gaston number of Beauty and the Beast and, uh, two bats flew into the theater and, 
they flew around the dancers and they one landed right in the audience member's lap. And it was like one of those theaters in the round where they were sitting, like basically sitting on stage, right? And so um, the kid who was playing LeFou, he went over and grabbed two programs from the other people and scooped this little bat out and walked over to the fire escape, opened the fire escape, and this was all in time. Like he didn't lose a step, right? And then he just chucks the bat outside the fire escape and it flies away and he closes the door really fast. And the whole audience went crazy. And, it, and then they finished the song. Like the show went on. You know what I mean? It was so funny. I wish you could see my face right now. That's insane. Yeah. Um, Langel here. I've been racking my brain about what to talk about, and I think I figured it out. Um, so as some of you guys know, I like to do conducting stuff. Um, it's really funny that I'm actually <laughs> conducting. I, I really love classical music because I remember when I was a kid, we did this like, I know it's not supposed to be about teaching, but we did this um, trip to Boston Symphony Hall open rehearsal. And I remember Jane, James Levine was conducting rehearsal and it was some Mozart C piece or something. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if classical music is for me. And now it's like all I do anyway. So yeah, I, so I've, it, I've gotten, I've gotten into like into certain scenarios that have just been like from the weirdest stuff, uh, whether it's been like singing with um, the Boston symphony or suddenly finding myself in Germany and doing stuff, but it's always through these really weird channels. So um, my very first uh, conducting teacher, his name was Joan, her name is Joan Landry. Um, and the way I, I met her was, um, one day, uh, my, so my mom decided way back one time in college that she wanted to insulate the attic. Um, the attic already had insulation, but she thought it needed more. So she put all this insulation in the attic, but all in the wrong spots, which was basically destroying the attic. It was like really bad. Um, she like, just, it's just, you're not supposed to do it. So I was like, oh crap. So now I, she was all upset. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll rip it all out for you. And I'll get rid of it. So I rip out all this insulation. It's the summertime. And if you've been in the summertime up in your attic, you're sweaty, you're ridiculous. And I put it all outside. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to get rid of this, this stuff? So what's the handy dandy tool to get rid of junk? Craigslist. So I list this, this bad boy on Craigslist free. Yeah. And um, I get a notification. Oh, someone wants it. So someone pulls up and it's this uh, conductor of um, the Honolulu Symphony. Uh, slash what? assistant conductor of the Cape Cod Symphony, Joan Landry. Yeah, <laughs> and she, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, holy crap! You know, I'm over here all sweaty, and I was like, yeah, it's you know, let me help you load into your Prius. You know, I had to do a couple trips for. Her. <laughs> um, and then I gave her like a note, and I was like, hey, you know, I I like music and conducting and stuff, and you know, if you're ever free, I just whatever. So, long story uh, short, with that, I get a, a a letter, a call from her, like months later right before grad she's like hey you sound i think you're about to graduate and i was like yeah and she's like hey, you know let me see what you're doing and um you know give me a call and let's let's let me i want to i want to see if i can i can help you um so we ended i ended up taking lessons from her so my first conducting lessons though and this is the the funny part so they were renovating their they bought this old victorian um in um abington and were you know they just needed stuff needed insulation so they were putting all that stuff in there but her her husband at at the time he was uh he ran this huge indoor airsoft uh laser tag uh, <laughs> complex um totally it's, it was ginormous like, yeah multi-level conductor floors. and laser tag perfect. yeah yeah this is what her husband did and great guy randy's a cool guy so we would do these conducting lessons and i would be we'd be in this back room that was all glass for some reason i don't know why it was all glass so i'd like practicing like my patterns in like a tie from work 
And like, there's these people coming in and like camo and like getting ready to like kill zombies and stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> like just kind of conducting. And I was like, wow, you know, life's weird. And it, it all happened because I, you know, my mom, I used to like rag on my mom being like, mom, you wait, you know, why'd you put all the insulation up there? Oh, it's so annoying. She's like, well, hey, look, look where it got you. So, yes, you know, you never know where something's going to happen. You might get rid of some stuff on Craigslist and find your next teacher. Um, Fun fact, Dude. she is now, uh, she she's done with music and she like has a farm in Mexico. So, you know, anything, anything can happen. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I think it's funny, like you guys don't know this, but Mr. Langell is the king of personal networking. I've seen him personally write letters and cards to like these famous like conductors in the Northeast and in the United States and the in Europe and things, just writing letters to say hi and to like <laughs> continue these relationships. Hey, can I come study with you? And it's so crazy how, how you're able to do that. Yeah. He's a networker for sure. Okay. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best talker like Mr. Pacheco, but you know, you'd be amazed <laughs> what a simple little hand, you know, little card that says, Hey, you know, how you doing? And, um, call me. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of my experience has not happened through insulating the attic or anything, but um, no, when I uh, was in college, I heard about a theater production taking place, kind of a cabaret-style thing, and a friend of mine was in it, went to see it, and um, this was taking place at Holy Family, Holy Name School. The following year, they started doing another production, another cabaret-type setup, and I auditioned, went into the group, we ended up establishing ourselves as the Laurel Tree Players, and I got the best experience performing on stage and doing a lot of acting. And I, I would create a lot of the choreography for the for the shows. But the opportunity I had to do theater that I never would have gotten otherwise and doing musicals, we did a lot of the nonsense shows and I, I got to do a ventriloquist act because I was Sister Amnesia, and I still have that that puppet. Its name is Mary Annette. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have that that puppet upstairs, and getting to portray you know, a, a wonderfully silly, ditzy character, getting to do the show Noises Off. The director, uh, his name is Maurice Ouellette, he would design all of our costumes. He designed the set. He figured out how to move that set around because that show is done in three acts. And so you're seeing the show from the front of the stage, as, as you would as a regular audience member. The second act, this entire stage set turns around. So you're viewing the entire show running again now, several months later. And But you're seeing everything from behind stage. So there's a lot of miming and acting uh, silently on stage, a lot of physical character comedy happening. And then the stage turns back around for you to see the total destruction again months later, but you're now watching again from the front. Um, but I've had, I've had so many amazing opportunities by doing that. And I think that has helped to develop what I do with kids as a teacher and trying to get them to hopefully emote more when they are performing something because I've had that experience on stage. That's very cool. Hmm. Yeah, thinking, I don't know if you guys have like good stories. I just have like experiences, I think. Um, everybody knows this, but in the summer I work for New Bedford Festival Theater, um, which is like our local regional um, theater company. Um, but I do not have any artistic responsibility when I work with them. So at the high school, right, like I co-direct the plays and, and teach 
um, theater and stuff, but for New Bedford Festival Theater, I run the apprenticeship program, which doesn't necessarily have anything to do with teaching. Um, I'm more just like organize the high school students, many of which are from New Bedford High. Um, mm. But my favorite part of that job is actually, I'm not even going to be doing it anymore. Um, but I loved being the company manager for a couple of years, which I didn't really know what I was getting into at first, but essentially it was just being like a concierge to the actors that were visiting, <laughs> that were like here for the shows and visiting our city. Um, so it was just, it was a nice way to use my organizational skills and my knowledge of the area. Um, and, you know, people would be like, where's the closest laundromat to where I'm living? Or where's the best sushi? Um, you know, just like little things that you can Google, but it's easier to ask like an actual person. And then handling things like making sure um, that the rehearsal hall had what they needed and just being part of the production, but not having any artistic responsibility is just the dream for me at that level um, because New Bedford Festival Theater does like huge scale, you know, Broadway level shows with Broadway stars. Uh, people with Broadway experience come and perform on stage in the summer at the Z. Um, and it, you know, Festival Theater was founded by the people, the two men who founded the New Bedford High School Drama Club and put us on the map, George Charbonneau and Armin Marchand. Um, and now with Wendy Hall at the helm as the producer, Festival Theater is just going to keep growing and awesome. Um, and I love being on the board of directors as well. So I I love that I get to do the school stuff and be in charge. And then in the summer, I get to take a back seat and just be along for the ride for an incredible show. Um, so I'm looking forward to next summer when we get to perform Annie. That's awesome. So an experience outside of teaching for me um, the first thing that I think of is a few years back when I did a show called Our Farther, I was the stage manager, um, which uh, I also sometimes like to take on a role that doesn't have creative responsibilities, but is still very important. And so um, I'm a stage manager for this production. It was written by um, a New York playwright, and then we the company I was working for also brings in New York actors. Um, so it was a really cool experience for me because it was a play in workshop for a few years that I helped with. And then also we did a full scale production of it and it's like the most family I've ever felt with a cast of people. And I think the most connected I've ever really felt with a script because as stage manager, I found myself crying at the same points. Um, while I'm doing the cues backstage, which has I've never experienced that as a stage manager before. Um, and then on top of that, um, the creative process allowed me to like give input into the script. So I had made some notes on my script and somebody had noticed and told the playwright and the playwright wanted to meet with me to look at my notes and he made all the changes that I had suggested um, in the script and I felt like like how was my you know my opinions on this script mean so much to this New York playwright that's so, um, so cool. cool it yeah. was so cool um, and we did bring it to New York twice um, as staged readings and Keith David um, who I believe plays the villain in The Princess and the Frog I don't remember that character's name, but he uh, he played the main character in um, one of our New York ones, and I was 
it was just so cool to oh, that's so cool that is cool work with all these different professionals you know i've had similar experiences to you guys um you know i most recently over the last five years i was on the brass staff um of the seventh regiment drum and bugle corps and i felt pretty blessed for that opportunity i was going to be doing it in a similar capacity this year but unfortunately with the pandemic drum corps had to cancel this summer uh but you know it's an interesting opportunity that I was given because i on the brass staff like some of you guys were just talking about um i only have a very specific role and responsibility and it's pretty cool to be able to do just that one thing you know i love my job i love being the band director of new bedford high school and i really uh, you know, I'm excited about the growth and the future and the potential of our, all of our students and what we provide for our kids. But, you know, I go down to 7th Regiment, which is located out in Connecticut, and I don't have to worry about the, you know, overarching, you know, details and goals of that organization. I'm only there to teach kids how to play their brass instruments and how to get better at making sounds on their brass instruments. I don't even have to worry about like visuals. I don't have to worry about marching. You know, there's a whole other staff for those of you that have never um, been on in a drum corps, know much about the environment. You know, they have very specific crews or, you know, groups that will handle each, you know, task, whether it's the visuals, the color guard, um, the drum line, the front ensemble, the brass and so on. And then the staff keeps going. Right. There's, you know, volunteer staff. There's uh, admin staff is. You know, when we do the tour operations, uh, there's a manager for that and a crew that helps that person. Uh, but I know my my favorite memories are from my first year doing this. You know, I unfortunately uh, didn't, uh, you know, do drum corps when I was when I had the opportunity, even though I was interested. And I went out once for uh, at a weekend for one that was called East Coast Jazz. And, you know, at the time, I just couldn't afford it. Right. So. Um, I unfortunately made that decision to prioritize, you know, saving up for college, which I thought was a smart decision at the time, you know, but knowing that you age out at 21 and you can't do it any further, uh, I was always sad that I didn't get an opportunity to participate. So when this opportunity came along to be a, a part of the 7th Regiment Brass Staff, um, I thought this would be such a cool thing to be able to do uh, and also get that, you know, drum corps experience. So that first year, I really didn't know what I was in for. Um, and I think we visited, I think it was 11 or 12 states within th three weeks or four weeks because it's, uh, you know, it was like a mini tour for the open class drum corps. And, um, and it was such a, a cool thing. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever done that much traveling and knowing that I did that much traveling, but I basically just saw football stadiums and grass fields <laughs> and like elementary and middle and high schools or whatever. So whatever um, you can see from the highway. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Um, and I, I remember like when we were like really on tour, like we're, we're going every day as a competition and we're slowly inching our way towards finals, uh, both in terms of miles and, you know, progression of the of the of the tour. And the brass staff at the time, the caption head, the person in charge of all the people on the brass staff uh, had an RV. And I had I'd always thought that was so cool that people would have RVs and like travel across the country, but I didn't really know anyone that ever did anything. The closest I've ever done is my parents one time rented in, uh, one of those Ford E350s. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like the 15 passenger vans. like the the Giant van, yeah. Yeah, and so one time we loaded up with 15 people and we drove from Fall River, Massachusetts to Disney World. 
and oh. with like 15 Portuguese people, like <laughs> 24 hours straight shot, like switch the drivers when it's they're tired. Like, yep. you know, that's the, that's my ex- experience. So all of a sudden we're getting on this, you know, RV and we have to switch drivers and eventually it became my turn. Uh, but you know, the competition ends at 12, one o'clock in the morning and you finish up the competition, you get on the bus, you might sleep on the bus, wake up and you're in a different state and then you have to get out and like get to work, get to practice, unload the truck, the whole thing. So anyways, here I am, it's my turn. It's like one, two o'clock in the morning. And I, I know I have it on my like snap memories or something. So I would have to like look it up exactly. But um, I think it was like 200 miles that I had. It was like a four hour drive. I was exhausted. I had five or six sleeping, you know, tired people, uh, brass staff members that I was responsible for driving this giant RV. And I got to tell you, if anybody's ever driven in the Midwest, the roads are just straight. They like, there's no, <laughs> there's no mountains, there's no curves, there's no nothing. So you're just <laughs> driving on a very straight road for like hours on end and you might pass somebody at some point. Um, probably one of the most strange experiences. And uh, lo and behold, I also, that summer, uh, with the 7th Regiment Drum Corps, um, I also found out about five, six days before finals that year that uh, I was offered to be the band director at New Bedford High School. I was originally the middle school teacher at Keith. And uh, so it was really cool to finish up. I got, you know, accepted the job. I was really excited. And, uh, you know, uh, the championships was on a Saturday and I flew home Sunday night at like two in the morning uh, and band camp for New Bedford High School was the following day. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, the time. Oh, man. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. There's like a lot of star power here, guys. You have some really cool experiences. And I think the thread that connects them all is that we like to be in charge of our groups, but we also like to just be there to see, observe and learn. Um, like recently I was like basically a guest conductor at UMass Dartmouth for their big band. And it was really cool to see Toby Monty uh, conducting and things that he said to his kids and the way that he ran through some of his charts. Um, and I wasn't in charge of the concert at all. I just had to show up, bring my kids and we played one big song together. So it was, it, I think those are the kinds of experiences that kind of all of us have where we, it's good to be the, the head person. And it's sometimes also great to step back and look at the big picture as somebody who has way less responsibility. Definitely. So we have a surprise guest today on the podcast. It is Miss Tess from New Bedford High School. Hello, all. So, Miss Tess, um, what is your job? Because I don't know if anybody knows, you're kind of new. So, what do you? What's your like title, and what do you do at New Bedford High School? My official title is the I think event coordinator, and I am district wide. Just the the high school is my home base. So all the performing arts spaces are. Uh, I guess my jurisdiction. It's a new position. It's a very confusing, but it, they're, they made this position in order to lead to something that's uh, more full-time. Oh, cool. So what have you been doing around the high school and the district since you started? Fixing stuff. <laughs> Fixing <laughs> lots and lots of stuff. And uh, throwing out things that don't bring me joy uh, <laughs> or bring a theater joy. Uh, improving safety, like getting it up to all of like professional theater standards. That's very cool. How did you get into the world of like theater, film, and music technology? Oh, uh, by accident, honestly. Um, uh, growing up, the like theater, choir, that sort of thing. Like the theater kids are going to be like, yes, absolutely. That was like my refuge. 
-hmm. So that's where that's I just sort of landed in it because it was always open and accepting. And, uh, you know, that's where your family is. So that's how I wound up in it. Did you go to college for this field or like was it a different field? No, I went to college for something completely different. Uh, College was actually my second career. So my first career was entertainment industry and I just decided that I wanted to do it. And uh, I did a bunch of stuff at the Zyterian and took a couple of small like kids tours out. And then I got a job at Jenny Wiley Theater, which is in Prestonburg, Kentucky, which if you know the Dukes of Hazard, it's yeah. like in that neighborhood. <laughs> it's a little insane. It's a coal country. And I was the, uh, the sound person like for running all the shows. And I had never done, I'd never done sound before, but I bought the book. And it's a book, you know the book, because you have a PDF of it. Like the, the Yamaha? The Yamaha, the Yamaha book. Uh, yeah. I read it, and I ran the entire season, outdoor venue, mind you, uh, concrete amphitheater. And I did a job, and nobody knew that I had never done sound before. So that was, That's like, awesome. that was like, hey maybe I can actually pull this off. <laughs> I, I can't believe you read that book. I tried to read part of that book once and I immediately closed the PDF. <laughs> no, whole thing, whole thing. I had it with me, like like pages marked off, like, yeah, learning everything on the fly uh, without half the gear that I needed. So that was, for me, it worked for me. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, a little connection to last week's episode. Um, can you just describe your sort of post-secondary education? You said that you were also a student as a career. So what did you study and what was your field? Oh, uh, which is funny because that's by accident as well. Uh, I was working for uh, uh, Virginia Arts Festival, and my office wasn't with the rest of the folks. I was on campus at Tidewater Community College, which is this mm-hmm. massive community college system in uh, Virginia. And I w- enrolled at in TCC to annoy the head of the theater department. And I found out, I was like, you know, I'm getting kind of burned out at this because I was at the level where I was at a desk job. So doing budgets and hiring, and it was getting kind of uh, stale for me. I was like, I'm going to go back to school for something that I really like. So I started uh, in history. So I went to TCC. And from there, I finished my bachelor's at the College of William and Mary. And then I did my master's at Old Dominion University. And then did my PhD work at the University of Maine, which I'm not a PhD yet. I am an ABD because somebody, that's another story. But <laughs> can you explain for the high school kids who listen what an ABD is? I mean, it's all but dissertation. I've taken all of my exams and I just haven't written a book. Okay. That's that what makes ABD sense. means. All but and dissertation. And that's in American history? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, from enslaved cultures to loyalists. And plus I was an archaeologist with the university, I mean, College of William and Mary. So oh. I'm kind of more of a, an archaeo- historical archaeologist than a straight historian. That's very cool. Ms. Kajipachiko and I were talking last week about our favorite teachers growing up, and they're both U.S. history teachers. So there's a little tie in there. It's kind of Oh, neat. that's fun. Okay. Um, what has been your favorite experience so far as an MBHS whaler? Honestly, I don't know if I could pick just one. I love hanging around drama kids. And this is my first time actually working directly with high schoolers. In yeah. Virginia, I worked a lot with the Governor's School, which is a performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. But it was a little bit of a different sort of circumstances because that's all those kids did like I never saw them in a high school setting they always came so this is kind of a it's really fun to see drama club kids um and some of my favorite things are like the smaller events 
Um, can you tell us any appropriate but crazy stories from your experiences um, through different shows throughout the years? Um, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> Most of them are moderately off color. There's some really ridiculous ones with the circus. Um, <laughs> there was a Russian strong man who had just come in and he was such a, just a, mm-mm. So he looks at me, and this isn't the first time I've heard this sort of thing said to me. He's like, you're just one woman. How is one woman supposed to carry my my breast balls around? How? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) okay. So he's got, um, they're about 60 pounds each. He was kind of a a juggler strongman. They would do this crazy stuff. So it was big giant kettlebells is what they were. Mm -hmm. And some of them were 20 pounds and it went up to about 75 pounds. So he had 30 pound ones and they were chained together. So there was two sets. So four of them all together. And where the voms are in Cirque inside the tent, you can see backstage. So all these people were watching me because he came back and just dropped his stuff. Like, go ahead, pick it up. And he didn't realize that I had been with Cirque for a while. And all the technicians with Cirque usually train at something. So I was like, I had been doing like some other like Russian bar stuff. So it wasn't any big deal for me to pick up both sets at the same time and walk them across the back of the stage. And it kind of blew part of his act because those people were like, well, that 140-pound woman just picked <laughs> both all, both sets of those things up and walked that way. And I was like, is there anything else that you would like me to do for you? Because I'm pretty sure I got this. And he was, he was perfectly fine after that. That's, that's awesome. All right. So any advice for any students who'd be interested in, like, production technology? Uh, just learn. Uh, there's still kind of a... A relationship that's a little difficult when it comes to being like somebody's assistant or uh, learning underneath somebody that's got a big brain like listen but don't be afraid to do what is best for you because it's Mm. easy to wind up in a situation where you're like I'm working for somebody who's wildly incompetent and they can ruin my career (laughs) I hate to be like really bad about it but you know pick who you want to learn from and exude self-confidence Very because cool. it can be an extremely difficult business but it's gotten a lot better since uh, since when i started many many moons yeah. ago so it's yep. way easier especially particularly for females or anybody who doesn't fit into that one you know category to get into theater now and be really productive there's a lot more women there's a lot more people of color so it's getting better that's great. Yeah, it's a lot more welcoming. I feel like, um, and it's very like learnable. That's what's cool about it. Like, I never had any training, and yet you and I have had conversations. And you, you sometimes you're like, "Where did you like? Who hurt you?" But sometimes you're like, "Oh yeah, it's a good idea." So it doesn't. It's all experiences that kind of matter. Yeah, and be open. If you find somebody who's in a leadership position, like a production manager, or you know that the head audio or head lighting or something, that head props, who is willing to teach, then hang around that person as much as possible. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks, Ms. Tess. Um, I have one more question before we go. Would you rather um, fly at 10 miles an hour or run at 100 miles an hour? I would rather run at 100 miles an hour. Okay. I just want to check on that. All right. Uh, Thanks a lot for coming in and talking to us. We'll see you later.
Go Beans. Have a good one. All right, guys. You think it's ready to change it up? Yep. Sure. All right. I'm really curious to know, what is your favorite pizza toppings? I got to tell you, I'm going to start. I'm pretty boring. I like cheese and pepperoni. Although I really think, you know, what you use to dip that crust in, like marinara sauce or whatever, is way more important than the toppings. But what do you guys think? Listen, I don't know what you know about me, but I take pizza very, very seriously. I do not mess around with pizza. <laughs> okay, if, if I move to a new town or I visit a new town, I'm checking out that town's house of pizza. And I'm grading it on a very objective scale. Okay, so it depends on where I am, right? Georgia's Pizza in Harwichport, I'm getting that hamburger pizza with a side of honey mustard sauce every time since like 2001. Right. They just basically take that pizza. You had it, Mr. Pacheco, at my bring your own pizza party. They take the pizza and they take all the shredded hamburger and they just cover it. Um, and then the, the honey mustard is a great complement to that. In New Bedford, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to you know, start any fights or anything, but the pizza here isn't that great. So we got large pizza chain. That's our go to large pizza chain. And I'll do bacon or pepperoni or whatever. But it's you got to have the hot kicker sauce mixed with the ranch. So those I are love my two the kicker sauce. Oh, yeah. Really I know. Good. Yeah, no. And if you, so I just like I take the ranch and the kicker sauce and I mix them all together and it turns this weird, disgusting color orange. And I just dip that pizza in there, and that is that's the local go-to. I think you know we have to understand, and I, you guys have made this argument a lot. Is that large pizza chains? Pizza is just it's like it's just not authentic. You know, I'm sorry to say that it's just it's like. It's a little bit of a factory, you know, and I, I think the coolest thing about pizza is that you can go to a different place and they just they have their own specialties. So, like, if I'm going to go down to Rose and Vicky's down where I live, I love their fried eggplant pizza. And I know you guys are like, I'm like, oh, it's no, with a weird thing. Oh, that sounds really good. Okay. Sounds oh, wow. Really good. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. man, you guys are hard to read sometimes. sometimes. Hey, guys, sit down in household over here. You know, we got to get the fried eggplant. <laughs> oh, but the thing is, I would never get that up in, like, North Plymouth. I would get a bacon, like, a bacon pizza because they can't <laughs> do fried eggplant. It's way too mushy, you know? So, like, there's just every – my favorite thing about pizza is just the different location and, and, their, and their specialties. But I will say I'm never going to get upset with a classic pepperoni, but – I get really excited for a buffalo chicken pizza. Yeah, same, same. There's a place in Chatham. It's called the Box Office Cafe, and they have a thing called the Ring of Fire. Ooh. And it's a buffalo chicken pizza, but they put a swirl of Frank's Red Hot around the entire thing, like a spiral. I got to check that out. Oh, it's unreal. I don't even know if they're still there. That sounds delicious, but like I've been burned way too many times by bad buffalo like chicken pizza. You no, this is, like- this is legit, though. This is like this is the one. Like We're talking about locations. I got to tell a story really quick. I don't know if you guys want to keep it or not, but like, okay. So last Friday I was excited because I've been wanting a calzone, Buffalo chicken calzone from Stevie's pizza in Plymouth for a long time. That was the go-to place. Like, like Mr. Mason's, uh, you know, hamburger pizza. I I this was nostalgic. I was excited. I'm taking Jenny the dog for a walk around town, having a good time. You know, like great 15 minute walk, picking up the calzone. So I got my phone, Google Stevie's pizza. Well, friends, you got to make sure you're careful what you Google because I Googled Steve's pizza. So, <laughs> no way. so I ordered this buffalo chicken calzone. It was a little more expensive than I thought the prices were, but I was like, whatever, it's a pandemic. I understand. I get my walk myself up, go to Stevie's, kick the door open, not really. And I'm like, ready for my order. And they're like, we know, we, 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 no, there's no order. And I was like, what, what? So I look at my phone, Frank, Frank uh, like crazy. And I look, and yes, Steve's Pizza 
in Falmouth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my order. Can somebody, can somebody fill my, my memory in on like the office reference to the place with the same name? Alfredo's Pizza and Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. Two different places. And <laughs> these, these two were pizza. very different. It's Pizza by Alfredo right. and Alfredo Pizza Cafe. Right. Oh Sorry. Well, I drove 40 minutes to pick up Steve's pizza, which they had sitting outside on a rack the whole time. So this is like oh, 40 no. minutes later, oh. a cold. It was not good. It wasn't even, I mean, okay, nothing against Steve. I mean, I think I was in a bad mood anyway. And, you know, but it was just not the same. So I just, you know, <laughs> drove That's back so home really sad. all of you that you drove all the way to Falmouth to go pick up that calzone instead of just leaving it there. Well, you know, yeah. well, they already paid for it too. But yeah, that's oh, why. Yeah. I, that's if you already that's paid good. for it, I would have just been like, cut my losses. I'm already at I'd the. Give point. it to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just gotta sit in your in your disappointments. You know, I just be all <laughs> mad, driving like. Rah, 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 rah. 40, 40 minutes. That is, like, so, no. that is so my style. Uh, no, I'll I'll eat that all day. I'd be like, I, so I would have so called and been like, okay, donate it, it to somebody. somebody. Yeah. I thought about it, but I was like, you know what. You know, like with all this, this pandemic going on with everything, like we don't do it like, you know, we all need something to spice it up our day. And I was like, I guess I'm driving to Cape Cod. Oh, seriously. <laughs> you make your bed, you lay in it. This is how I <laughs> deal with things. This is my mistake and I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> well, it um, you know, this uh, this topic is interesting to me because I, I'm really not a pizza lover. Oh. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll eat pizza. I obviously eat anything just about. but i like plain old cheese pizza okay fine i know boring i know i know uh every once in a while may reed and i will want to get a hawaiian pizza and i I know that brings i know i know that pineapple on pizza some people go ew i happen to like it whatever i'm gonna put a sound effect in there (laughs) but uh something that i really do like and Again, Mayreed and I are the only two that would eat it. Would be the um, taco pizza that they have at Yaya's in Fairhaven. I've heard of that. Oh, it it really is wonderful. It really tastes really good. So if if I'm in the mood for pizza, it's like, hmm, can we go there? Um, I think that you guys have hit the nail on the head when you're talking about like specific pizzas from specific locations. Um, because the quality of cheese and the flavor of sauce is like. And the type of crust, it you know, all of those things have to so come important. together. Yeah, they have you. They have you have to have the perfect type of all three. Um, so I'm gonna go with two answers. One being the buffalo chicken pizza from Palace Pizza in New Bedford. I just that's like the perfect amount of buffalo sauce, the perfect consistency of crust and the cheese and the quality of chicken. I'm just a big fan of their version of the buffalo chicken pizza. Um. But my true, probably favorite pizza, and it saddens me because Mr. Pacheco does not enjoy this location or this type of pizza, uh, but I love the barbecue chicken pizza from Friendly Pizza in South Dartmouth. It, maybe it's the nostalgia factor because like that's the pizza that we would go there um, as teenagers when we could first drive and just like hang out at the pizza place. Um, and that pizza is just like so good. And I brought him there once. I think when we were dating and he was like, this is not good. And I was like, Oh, heartbreak. You got caught. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to check it out now. It's br- I just think it's so good. It. They use barbecue sauce instead of red sauce, but yeah. it's like a really good amount. And they put red onions on the pizza. It's just like, it's yeah, such a I know good, what you're talking about. Yeah. That's good. I'm a big fan, but I, I realize that like 
it's a very specific type of barbecue chicken pizza that like not everyone would like. I just love it. Just, just to interject here, the the D Block pizza this year, like the flagship D Block pizza, was large like, pizza chains because our kids only ordered large up. pizza chains, right? But it was a bacon pizza from Do- large pizza chain with barbecue sauce as the sauce. Yes, I believe and- that can be attributed to. I can't name people on this thing. Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, no. So, it, but it, it wasn't just him that ate it. Like it, it went around. So this pizza went around the entire department. I even ordered it like twice, and then I introduced the the kids to our our conception of ranch and uh, Taco Bell fire sauce mixed. Oh. And so that also took off. So like there was a weird pizza culture that happened in the upper class of D Block, and it was like barbecue sauce, bacon, hot sauce, ranch. Um, so my favorite pizza is a lot of pizzas because I like <laughs> if, I, if I like it off of pizza, I probably like it on pizza as well, basically. Um, but like some go tos for me would be chicken bacon ranch or buffalo chicken. That's good. Um, That's good. But I also like to explore some things that sound like I wouldn't like them, like baked potato pizzas. I always thought that potatoes seemed like a weird thing to put on pizza, but it's so good. Mm. And then a French fry pizza, which also sounds like a very strange thing to put on pizza, but it was very tasty. Just a quick shout out. Uh, not that we're looking for sponsorships, but you could send checks to New Bedford High School care of MBHSBB for uh, George's Pizza in Harwichport, Box Office in Chatham, Stevie's Pizza in Plymouth, Rose and Vicky's, Yaya's Palace Pizza, Friendly Pizza, Brick and Antonio's. If you're looking to sponsor a local podcast, where are your people? <laughs> all that free advertising we just gave all these pizza boyfriends, <laughs> for sure. We'll even take gift certificates, especially gift certificates. <laughs> I know that large pizza chain. They have definitely been a, a longtime supporter of the Whale Marching Man. They've supported us uh, by placing an ad in our ad book and uh, supported our home marching man competition. So, um, and uh, I think for AHA every year, they also provide free pizza. So, you know, our kids love it. We love it. It's great. It's awesome. So, thank you so much. Also, just some academic reminders. Underclassmen, your end-of-year performance assessments are due today. That's a wrap. Or a calzone. Um, I need Pachico to say cue the music or we can't end. Cue the music. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.